Yes, good morning to all of you. Well, let's uh, begin uh, reading from the Old Testament, from the book of Micah. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy or kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And these words from Titus, uh, this is a passage that is often read at Christmas time. I don't know if I've ever really preached from Titus, uh, but this verse r reminds us that Christmas doesn't really come to us unless in some way our lives are changed and we live for him. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, no doubt you have been doing your Christmas shopping. You have been concerned to get just the right gift for the special people in your life. And hopefully you are wrapping it all up. A couple more days, right, that you got? The whole gift-giving custom, of course, really began with the Magi, with the three wise men who brought costly gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the Christ child. By the way, unbeknownst to most theologians, there was actually a fourth wise man. Do you know that? There was a fourth wise man who came, but he was turned away because he brought fruitcake Fruitcake is a funny thing, isn't it? You either really like it or you don't. <laughs> but I wonder, now on a more serious note, have you given much thought to what you might give God this Christmas? What will we bring to the manger? There's a story of how that wondrous night 2,000 years ago, a little boy, a little ragged little boy, watched as he saw the the wise men coming with their costly gifts, bringing them to the Christ child, and his eyes were filled with, with tears as he thought, if, you know, if only just a pearl would fall from the hand of a king, then I could go too. But he felt sorry for himself. He had nothing really to give to the Savior, and so he felt ashamed. And so the boy 
watching the wise men go by, the boy was about to turn and run for the hills when all of a sudden the angel appeared. And an angel said to him, give God a gift that is closest to your heart. And so he did. And it said that the Bethlehem star above the manger gave an extra little twinkle as that ragged little boy put a faded blue sack uh, next to the manger, next to the cost of gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And in that sack were all the things that were closest to his heart. Um, a piece of rope, a slingshot, butterfly preserved in candle wax, a seashell. Someone has said the only true gift is to give a gift of a portion of yourself. Maybe the Apostle Paul had it right when he said to the Romans, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So that when in quiet adoration we give to the Lord our very selves and to the things closest to our hearts, the stars of heavens really do shine a little bit brighter. And more importantly, it gives God joy. But let's be a bit more specific this morning. What gifts will you and I offer the Lord? The prophet Micah asked that very question. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow before the exalted God? What shall I bring? And then he listed some possible gifts. Burnt offerings, year-old calves, thousands of rams, rivers of oil, even his firstborn son, all costly items dear to his heart, but they, would they really satisfy God and make God happy? Would they be worthy of God's gift of forgiveness? Well, Micah shouts out the answer from heaven. He has showed you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and to love mercy or to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. God would like a Christmas gift that's wrapped up in a person, and nothing gives God greater joy than to see his people acting justly, loving kindness, and walking humbly with him. These are three costly gifts that are more precious than gold and frankincense and myrrh. And these, each of these three gifts are gifts that you and I are capable of bringing to the manger. So the first gift God wants is for you and for me to act justly. And justice is not simply a concern of the law courts and of lawyers, but you and I are to live justly in every area of life, uh, in, our, in our business dealings, in our, in our work, in school, in our play, in home. To do justice, to act justly, is to be fair-minded in every action. It's to deal with others with complete honesty and integrity. Micah and all the prophets have a lot to say about the lack of justice in the land, the lack of fairness. Micah saw judges taking bribes, and that sickened him. He saw merchants adjusting their scales to take advantage of their customers. 
He saw the powerful rich taking advantage of the poor, and he accused them of stripping the hide off their flesh. And people continue to get skinned through unfair and deceptive business practices. The world is full of people who want to get ahead and who succeed, but trampling on the rights of others. They've made it through dishonest means. Justice must dominate business and government so that everyone gets a fair shake. And it must govern our personal relationships. How fair are we to the people around us? What about our carping criticism of others? What about our harsh and ruthless judgments that we make of others? God gives everyone a square deal, but do we? And are you and I just at home? Is it just if a man takes privileges which he would not allow his wife? Is it just if a person is married more to his or her job than to one's spouse or to one's family? Do we do our family justice? Do we give them the time that they deserve? So let's put a little justice into the stocking of our life and hang it on God's altar. And, and God would like that gift very much. For it's a gift fit for a king. A second gift God would like from us is to love kindness. This involves extending simple courtesy to everyday courtesy to the people around us. But more than that, it involves a generous and self-giving to others after the example of Jesus Christ. And one who lived in the mind and the spirit of Christ, who loved kindness, was none other than good old Saint Nick. Yeah, good old Saint Nick. We need to talk about him at Christmas time. Nicholas was born of wealthy parents in 280 A.D. in a small town in what is now Turkey, a town called Patara. He lost his parents early in an epidemic, but not before he gave them the gift, gave him the gift of faith. And then Nicholas went to live in a place called Mira, which is on the southwestern coast of Turkey. And he lived there a life which people called Bethlehem. So full it was of self-offering and the giving of himself. So full of sacrifice and kindness and the spirit of Jesus. Nicholas lived in the mind of Christ. So that when the town needed a bishop, he was elected. He was imprisoned for his faith by the emperor Diocletian and was released by the emperor Constantine. But many stories of his generosity were collected and spread about how he begged for the poor, about how he would give girls money so that they might obtain a dowry to get a husband. And the story most often re repeated was how he would don a particular disguise and would give gifts to poor children. He gave away everything that he had and everything that he could gain from others. He gave to the poor. In the year 314, he died and his body was later removed to Italy. Although I remember visiting in a museum in, in a place called Antalya, where he had, where you can still view his three teeth. <clears throat> Which was an amazing thing. But his body was really in, uh, in Italy now. 
But the story of Nicholas has spread around the world. And do you know that there are more churches in the world named after St. Nicholas than any other person in all the history of the church? Well, people have done some strange things to Nicholas. Thomas Nast, the illustrationist, made him big and fat and gave him a red suit trimmed by fur. And the poet Clement Moore gave him a sleigh and a tiny reindeer. And others have given him names, Kris Kringle and Santa Claus and Père Noel, Father Christmas. But what is important is that he lived in the mind and in the spirit of Jesus Christ. And because he lived like that, because he so loved kindness, generously give of, giving of himself, he touched the world. He has impacted the world like few other people. So we're to live in that spirit. We are to love kindness and make it our gift to the Lord. And then the third gift God would have us give, according to the prophet Micah, is to walk humbly with God. When we think of humility, we think of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. We think of, of Jesus' humility as he walked in utter dependence upon his Father day by day. I think all of us could use a measure of humility. A lot of us could, for we tend to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Which reminds me of a story of a fellow by the name of Savonarola. Do you know who Savonarola is? He was actually a fascinating figure in history. I recently read a book about him. He was an Italian preacher in the 15th century. He was a reformer. He was, gave spell-binding sermons. Uh, he actually kind of became a threat to the Pope because of his power and his influence. But he would preach in the cathedral in Florence, Italy. Well, Savonarola one day saw an elderly woman worshiping at the, at the statue of the Virgin Mary inside this big cathedral. And on the following day, he, he noticed her again um, before the Blessed Mother. And so with great interest, Savonarola observed that day after day, she came and she did homage before that statue. And Savonarola admired her devotion and turned towards a fellow priest and said, look how she reverences the Blessed Mother. And the priest said to Savonarola, don't be deceived by what you see. Many years ago, an artist was commissioned to create a statue for the cathedral. He sought a young woman to pose as a model for his sculpture, and he found the perfect subject in a young woman who was serenely lovely, and she had this mystical quality in her face, and that image, the image of that young woman inspired his statue of Mary. The woman who now worships the statue is the same one who served as the model years ago. Shortly after the statue was put in place, she began to visit it and has continued to worship there religiously ever since. God would like the gift of humility. Some years ago, a man and a wife were visiting St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, that huge cathedral, probably bigger than any other. I guess it's the biggest, biggest cathedral in the world. And uh, the man and woman walked down this long nave and then went to the high altar. And they stood there and, uh, you know, with some reverence and meditated for a while. 
And then his wife went to go look at something else to rub St. Peter's toe or whatever. And, uh, and uh, the man stood there for a while. And then he, he, he turned around, turned his back on the high altar. And he noticed as people were coming in and approaching the altar that they were bowing. And so the man thought that they were bowing to him. <laughs> and so he would bow, he would bow, and bow again. And then his wife saw what was going on and grabbed him, <laughs> pulled him away, and said, My dear, I think you have an omnipotence complex. question worth asking, do you and I have an omnipotence complex sometimes? Putting ourselves at the center of the universe, kind of expecting everybody to bow down to us? How much better let Jesus Christ be on the throne of our lives and allow him to bring meaning and joy and purpose into our hearts? Lots of people put little crash scenes down below with a, with a presence under the tree. and Just as we have to get down on our knees to see the Christ child in the little crescent under the tree. So we have to kneel if we really want to see God. Then God will put us on our feet and we can walk straight and tall and humbly with him. So God has made his Christmas list. It's pretty clear what he wants. He says it. This would be on his Amazon wish list, I'm sure. He has shown you what is good. What is it but to act justly, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There was another word that jumped out at me as I studied this passage um, the last few days, and that's the word walk. I mean, we see justice, and we see kindness, and, and we see humility. But the word walk jumped out at me. Maybe that's the most important gift of all, that we would walk with God day by day. More than anything else, he wants our presence. He wants the presence of justice, kindness, humility worked out in our lives, but he wants our presence, P-R-E-S. See, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E -E. It's hard to spell out in pressure, you know? You know pressure. How do the spelling bee kids do it? I have no idea. But he wants you and me to walk with him day by day. He desires our fellowship. He values our ongoing friendship. He wants to walk with you and me as he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening in the garden in paradise before the fall. A relationship characterized by harmony and transparency and love and joy. God longs to have a personal relationship with each one of us. He says, come to me, you who are overburdened and who are stressed out. Come, walk with me, and I'll give you rest, refreshment, renewal for your life. Come to me, he says, abide in me, and I in you. The invitation is always there. He wants to walk with us. Come, he says. 
Let's walk together in life. So that each day, each morning comes knocking at the door of our hearts. And the question is, do we open the door or do we leave him out in the cold? Open the door and walk with him day by day by faith. Be attentive to his voice. Allow him to comfort you and to encourage you and to strengthen you. Know that he is there for you and he promises never to leave you or to forsake you. More than anything, he wants your company. He desires your presence. No, he longs for your presence. He values you and me that much. So we know what God wants for Christmas and for always. Act justly, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. These are gifts fit for a king, and may we offer them along with our hearts to the God of our life. Nothing would make God happier. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we acknowledge that you have given us the greatest gift of all in sending us your very own Son to save us all from sin and death. Lord, we thank you for the love expressed in that act. We pray, Lord, that in return we would show our love and gratitude to you for all that you've done for us. And may we show that love and gratitude in a changed life, a life that reflects your justice and your kindness and the humility of your Son who walked among us full of grace and truth. Lord, we give ourselves anew to you this day, and we would do it every day. We would walk with you hand in hand. Lead us, guide us, till we come at last into your everlasting kingdom. To you be all praise and glory forever and ever. In the name of Jesus, who saves us all from our sins. Amen.